Well, well, welcome back, everybody. We're glad to uh, have you join us on the Short Staff Podcast. Uh, we're we're in episode four, Uncharted Waters, wow. with uh, two of my brothers here, uh, TJ and Tony, oh, serve as pastors what? here at Uncharted Waters. 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 <laughs> did I say waters? You did. <clears throat> I had uh, someone at church come up to me and said, is twice in water twice. in the Bible? <laughs> I, I said that's in the King's Ad version. <laughs> well, there is. Uh, I got that Geechee language, uh, language, language, English. There it English. is. English. Yeah, Geechee River. We got the Ogeechee River down in uh, <laughs> Richmond Hill, Georgia, and I got that Geechee English comes out. What is and, a Geechee? Uh, Ogeechee River. Uh, stuff in the water. Well, Ogeechee. What's, what's it named after? I, it's probably something with the Indians down there, I would imagine, but I don't know for sure. I should know that. You should know. I should know. Yeah. I've fished in it a lot. I've ate a lot of fish out of Geechee River. If you've gone down there, they've got great catfish. You've ate at Love Seafood yeah. right there. A, a, a cool fact for our listeners, Love Seafood is uh, the, the movie Forrest Gump where uh, Tom Hanks and uh, Jenny, who is a woman of questionable virtue, is on the bridge, and they're overlooking. Uh, oh, okay. That's that's love seafood. Oh, right that's on the cool. River. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, it's been in a couple of movies, but Forrest Gump being the most famous one. But awesome. hey, glad to have you guys uh, join us or listeners. Um, I uh, I'm, I'm excited about what we're we're talking about today. If, if, to catch you up, if you're just joining us and haven't checked the the previous three episodes, we're talking about the doctrine of the church and why that matters. And um, I uh, I'm excited about today's. Uh, episode as we talk about the characteristics of the church being centered uh, on the word and so uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about that today i um i was encouraged uh, this past sunday uh pastor tony you finished up a um uh, a series through the conquest in joshua and uh what a great time it's been mm-hmm. in the book of joshua and and focusing on the conquest of god uh, working and being faithful through and to his people, Israel. And um, any thoughts from that? I know you, you had a few for us at the end of just preaching through Joshua. Uh, just, again, how, how it, it illustrates uh, the fullness of God's redeeming work. I cannot, I cannot imagine anything more foolish than saying that we don't need the Old Testament. You know, that that's really seems to be in vogue now to somehow strip away Christ from the scriptures and especially uh, from the Old Testament. But, uh, man, when, when you when you begin to look at the, the Exodus story and then put yourself in there, um, how God has redeemed us, mm-hmm. uh, how he has, again, redeemed a people to dwell among them, that they might worship him. And that he has kept all of his good promises. Amen. I mean, right. the steadfast, covenant-keeping faithfulness of God is just so rock solid hmm. in the book of Joshua. Joshua twenty-one forty-five. That's what. Uh, yeah, that's that little nugget. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. <laughs> all came to pass. That is a great nugget, that's as nugget. you would say. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Pastor TJ, any thoughts on Joshua as we walk through there? Honestly, out of all of the nuggets, that was my favorite one. That was that you one. Uh, walked down the hallway, knocked on my door, and was like, "Hey, check this out." <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I I love that. Um, it, it reminds me also of uh, just how it, a lot of people when they uh, think about the covenants, um, 
and uh, and and how many promises has God yet to fulfill in the old covenant? Yeah. Not one. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. fulfilled them all. All. Right. All of them. Right. Yeah. And He will. Everyone in the new. Everyone in the new. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so it's been a bit a good series, and just thinking through, you know, the word being centered on the word, the church, uh, our, our role as a church, um, and being Christocentric, being um, in the word, being centered upon Christ. So a good definition of that is Christ is the center of the Bible. Uh, he is um, he's the focus of the scriptures, and God is highlighting that. So, you know, example, you know, reading the scriptures in the Old Testament that... Um, from our view as, as believers, we see Christ uh, on every page. Uh, Christ is fulfilling all of the Old Testament. As the New Testament says, he fulfills the law and the prophets. So it's all speaking of him. And, um, and we need to be a, a, a Christ-centered people in the way that we approach the scriptures. Uh, that are, and we'll talk about implications of that. But Yeah, but we, we definitely have a, a biblical warrant for for viewing all scripture, and sometimes this is what amazes me is, is when those uh, those who want to strip away uh, the Old Testament, what scriptures do they think Jesus is referring to? You know, when when Jesus in uh, in John five maybe the apocrypha says maybe it's the apocrypha. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but it is these that testify of me. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's talking to them, the, the, the religious people who knew the Old Testament scriptures, who, who had lived and, uh, and given their lives copying and, and maintaining those scriptures. But uh, he said, you're missing the whole point. These scriptures are all about me. And, and he said that in his ministry, but he said it most clearly uh, to two men on the Damascus Road in Luke 24, and he said, it says that, uh, he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself mm-hmm. in all the scriptures. And uh, you think that's one of the reasons he prevented them from recognizing him in the beginning of that passage? As Jesus joins these two yeah. guys, not to sidetrack us, but he goes through and then explains. I mean, right. surely they'd have been unbelievably overwhelmed. <laughs> Recognize. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they, they they would have never comprehended anything else that, that went on because they've been so blown away by Because right. as, as soon as they did recognize him, he vanished out of their sight. Sure, as he was you serving know. them. But, but yeah. yeah. But man, well, Luke it, it does say that uh, they they were kept from yes, seeing him, yeah. and yeah, that's, that's what so, I'm saying, right? And that's so that Jesus would have that teaching moment with that's, him. Right. That's what I. Yeah, was yeah they would have been yeah. so overwhelmed; uh, they, they would have not comprehended right. anything. They probably that took off said. right they then, running have back. That moment, they would have, they, right. and they ran the, you know. Yeah. Five uh, k, <laughs> you know, getting back, or as a little more of that, it's and, like seven miles, I think, back. And the biblical warrant continues on. You know, this coming, the next series that we're entering into is, is Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And, Sunday morning, yeah, this, at, at Broadway, yeah. And so, it's absolutely foreign to the writer of Hebrews for anybody to be ignorant of the Old Testament. 
because everything he's going to be pointing to is Christ is right. superior, greater than all that has come before. Yeah. And he out of the out of the gate he says that Christ is the superior revelation. Mm-hmm. He, he says, you know, God, uh, after he spoke long ago to the fathers through the prophets and in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So Jesus Christ is the greater revelation. And how blessed we are to be able to look at all scripture mm-hmm. through the lens of the gospel and to to have a Christ-centered, gospel-focused understanding mm-hmm. of all Scripture so that the Old Testament doesn't just become a history lesson. It's not moralistic stories, mm-hmm. but it is the unveiling of the yeah. coming Redeemer, and you see shadows and you see illustrations, and nice. uh, the, the, the beauty of the Old Testament clearly comes in view. Right where we are looking back through the lens of the cross. Right. <laughs> and that's not a bias that we have whenever we put those lenses onto the scriptures. The nature of any piece of literature is that you can only say so much at a time. And so yes. you've got to read through it to get the fullness right. of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's the doctrine of progressive revelation. Right. And so early on, <clears throat> the Bible's explaining to us who Christ is. In Genesis 1, let us make man in our own image. We're having mm-hmm. early teachings of the Trinity, obviously not enough to build your doctrine of the Trinity off of, but well, there's going to be, them. right, and, but there's going to be more in time. Right. Right. And Genesis 3, there's coming a seed of the woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent, and that's going to involve we him forget, suffering. We forget that many times, don't we? We, we, we read do. the Bible and we think, wow, how they do everything we knew. Yeah, no, how, how couldn't they get They this? can only get so much at a time. And uh, yeah. and now that we have the fullness, mm-hmm. we can appreciate what God has Absolutely. been teaching all along. Right. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, moving on to theological warrant, you know, this second characteristic of the church that we're considering is centered on the word. Um, and, and we got two parts to this podcast. First, uh, the, the notion of Christocentrism. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus being the Word of God mm-hmm. made flesh. And then uh, we're going to consider um, the, uh, the authority of Scripture, the Word of God revealed, uh, inspired through the uh, prophets and apostles mm-hmm. and given to His church. Uh, and uh, so this first part, Christocentrism, um, is, is not just limited to uh, like what we find in the Bible. It's not just saying that uh, whenever you open the Scriptures, you find Christ at the center, mm-hmm. you find Christ at the center of everything. Right. In Ephesians, and, and talk about its relation to ecclesiology, mm-hmm. I know no better place to go than Ephesians chapter 1. Mm-hmm. In uh, verse 20, he says, he exercised, speaking of the Father, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead, seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given. Not only in this age, but in the one to come. He subjected everything under his feet, speaking of Christ. The Father mm-hmm. has put everything under the authority of Christ and appointed him, Jesus, as head over not just the church, but over everything mm-hmm. for the church. It's for our benefit that Christ is reigning supreme, which, his, which is his body, the church is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. And so Christocentrism really gets at the authority of Christ 
in everything. Yeah. The Bible says that all things were made through him. Colossians. And one. yep, Colossians 15, 1 16, yep. and for him. Right. All of creation is a gift from the Father to the right. Son. The Father loves the Son, and He's giving Him everything, and He has seated Christ as the head of everything. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to consider, just for um, our uh, time discussing some of the theological warrant of Christocentrism, uh, the notion of Christ's authority. Mm. I, I love uh, John Frame. He's a heavy hitter in theology, man. I mean, you and he's get, a big dude. Too. He's a big yeah. dude. You get hit by him, <laughs> and you're out. Right. Um, you pick up one of his books, and you've just got to stay in it for a while um, to appreciate everything he's saying. But in his doctrine of God, he suggests we need to change our our concept of transcendence and imminence. Hmm. That transcendence is not speaking of God being way, way, way out there. It, you, I've seen videos and stuff like portraying scriptural teachings, and they, they show you know Christ coming into the universe and then uh, coming into our galaxy, coming into our solar system, right? So he's way out there and he's coming into it. That's not the idea that transcendence um, ought to convey. In the scriptures, it doesn't use that word transcendence, but it does use Christ seated in the heavens. We have here in Ephesians 1, he seated Christ at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler. And so when we think far above, just because how we've been taught transcendence, we think in spatial categories, that Christ is way up there. Mm -hmm. But when he's saying far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, obviously what he's getting at is, a, is authority. Mm -hmm. And so transcendence ought to convey not spatial categories, but regal categories. Mm -hmm. That Christ is transcendent as in his authority is so far above right. any other authority. It is supreme. It is supreme. Right. Um, Lord of Lords. The Lord of, of Lords, Kings. King of Kings. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that we need to, uh, as uh, evangelicals today, one of those things that we need to, we need to get right. Well, absolutely. And what you said earlier, those who believe the Old Testament, we don't need it, I would say they would be more than a bit off, right? You would, oh, yeah. I would say and, they're And radical. so their problem would be their understanding of the authority of the Scriptures in the life well, mm -hmm. of the they, church. They are insufficient at best, heretical, possibly. But they are, yeah. They're definitely a people yeah. that is insufficient in their understanding mm -hmm. of, of God and of God's revelation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, Especially those who are being led astray yeah. by, by the teachers. Oh, absolutely. The right. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Pastor Tony, talk about just the authority of God's mm -hmm. Word the scriptures, old and new, in the life of the church? Well, you know, when you, when you look at the history of the church uh, in the apostolic days, without question, the word of God was the authority. Mm -hmm. um, the church went through a period of time where man became um, authoritative, and the church as a, as a whole um, began to elevate uh, man to the place where that before long the the ch the church um, had really two sources of authority. They had the tradition uh, of the church that they elevated, and so it, it comes from a flawed understanding that that we have no ability to be able to comprehend uh, an average person comprehend mm -hmm. the Word of God, 
And so it has to be interpreted through the church. And so then the church, the teachings of the church, uh, the decrees of the popes and all of this, layer after layer begins to build up and build up until the time of the Reformation, you know, where you have, again, the church, because of having two sources of authority, now has an inability to really uh, reform itself mm-hmm. to to Scripture. So um, throughout the the Reformation, I, I think it was the sola scriptura. It, it was the authority of Scripture alone that was the driving force of the Protestant Reformation. A return to the scriptures. a return to the Scriptures, and without question, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they believe that Scripture is the only infallible authority for the church. Right. And uh, and and so anytime that we put anything uh, on the same level as Holy Scripture, as the authority of the church, uh, we're we're getting into a really dangerous place mm-hmm. because because man is flawed mm-hmm. and right. God's word is perfect. Absolutely. Uh, Why know, would we want to go anywhere else? Right. Right. And so just consider what the Bible says about. The authority of the scriptures, just a couple passages. Um, you know, I think of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, one of my favorite verses of the, of the scriptures. Um, you know, God is comforting his people with these words. Um, he says, uh, the grass wither and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Um, it's going it, to, it will last the test of time. It will be in glory forever. God's word is eternal. I think of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then just one more in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, which you know we all know and, and most of our, our listeners will will. We'll know this this passage as well. Second uh, um, Timothy three uh, sixteen. I say two. No, I said Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So, the the authority of the Scripture in in the church's life and our life is supreme. And uh, God's word, just in a few texts, it attests to that all over. And um, so, what what are what are some what's the you know when when we begin to question the integrity of Scripture, and especially the integrity of the Old Testament miracles and so forth, we have not only then a problem with Scripture, but we have a problem <laughs> with our Savior. That's right, because He believed and affirmed, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Jonah, he he affirmed right. he, he affirmed the scriptures as being without error and, and being the Old Testament scriptures. That's and, right. And right. I mean, that's, so, that's what so, he's talking about here. All scriptures breathed out. I mean, what what text is he talking about? It's yeah. the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament. Right. And so, yeah. for for the foolish ones, I mean, I think of I think of Paul's you know old foolish Galatians who have bewitched mm-hmm. you to turn from to to a different gospel for for for. So-called pastors to call the Old Testament irrelevant and we don't need it anymore is. But going back to the to the stripping stupid. Jesus, <laughs> stripping Jesus away from Scripture, right? Which is the prominent liberal thing right now. He is the center. Well, not even You're, with the Old Testament, but with Paul. 
Right. People are saying you've got Paul on one hand, you have yeah. Jesus on the yeah. other. Yeah. You've Absolutely. got your black letters, your red letters. Right. Yeah. Right. But they're all they're equally all, authoritative. That's exactly right. And then yeah. you have the apostle Peter recognizing Paul on equal playing field sure. as the Old Testament, Absolutely. as far as authority goes. Right. Then you have Paul putting uh, Deuteronomy mm. and Luke side by side. You yep. have all of the New Testament writers mm. uh, communicating that each other are authoritative, Christ commissioned, and that's, that's mm. the point. Yeah. They are Christ commissioned, apostolic, authoritative writers inspired by the Holy Spirit. But they stand together. If you you have a unreliable word of God and a dishonest son of God. Mm-hmm. If, if you, That's right. They, they stand together. Yeah, and fall together. Yeah, and fall together. Yeah. yeah. You got a mess. Then you, then you got <laughs> no Savior. Then you, you got, got an absolute no mess, and you got an absolute no mess in yeah. the churches. Right. And so you think about where we're at culturally yeah. with this pandemic and with all the different tension in the country, the racial tension that's being uh, promoted now. Uh, mm-hmm. And churches are shut down, and you have pastors saying, well, we, it doesn't really matter if we gather. We can just do that, you know, uh, through video. Um, it is a, One thing this, this pandemic is doing is it is exposing what we believe about the Scriptures and what we believe about the church. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, in one way, it's good because we're able to see and people are articulating what they believe. Yeah, about showing the their cards. Tr- they're showing their cards. Yeah. And so uh, even though there's been things they've said in sermons, pastors, and especially ones you hear on TV and, and even podcasts and um, through YouTube and stuff, uh, they are definitely showing their cards mm-hmm. uh, clearly. Speaking of cards, those guys say that Christianity is a house of cards. Mm. I agree with them. Mm-hmm. It is a house of cards, mm-hmm. and when you destroy the foundation, you got nothing left. Mm-hmm. They they want to see that as as some uh, some way of of stripping away the Christian Orthodox faith from spirituality. Mm-hmm. But it is a house of cards, and if if the fundamentals of the faith, the virgin birth, the sinless life, the vicarious death, the bodily resurrection. If those things are not true, then we have no reason to have a podcast. We have no reason to have a church. Mm-hmm. And I would say go out and, and enjoy life because there is no hope. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's yeah. exactly right. right. Except for the, the hope of the gospel. And then go the way of the earth. Go the way of all so, the earth. Yeah. Sooner or later. And God's word will outlast you. <laughs> and God's word is going to outlast you. So what's, what's some of the uh, theological warrants for just the authority of Scripture, you think? I was I, I was blessed to get to preach out of Colossians 2 a couple months back. And I love this text because um, it centers uh, not not just our um, uh, not not just the authority of the Bible and commends that for the for the church, but also as uh, the standard. And, and there's a difference there, and and I, I want to draw that out. So Colossians 2, verse 8. The Apostle Paul is warning the Colossians about these false teachers. They're Judaizers. They're teaching that Christians need to go back and observe old covenant practices, even though they have had their time and place and the people with respect to in their their past. And you can't impose that on Gentiles, as um, uh, the council in Jerusalem had decided. And, uh, And so Paul is warning them of these uh, Judaizers. He says, 
Verse 8, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental teachings of the world rather than Christ. So um, you have those worldviews that are based on human things, human standards of truth. And then the reason why they are false, Paul says, is because they are not based on Christ. So Christ is our standard of truth. We have no way of evaluating truth apart from truth himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As he stood before Pilate, Pilate, and this is how blind the man is. He's staring truth in the face, and he says, what is truth? But that's where we all come from. And and we depend on Christ's word, uh, the scriptures, truth, to even expose to us that we are blind from birth to the truth. And so we need that. That's our not only standard, but our solution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why it, it's the gospel, the word of God proclaimed, that, that breaks through the callous heart that the Spirit uses to wage war against our, our sinful flesh and to open our eyes to see the glory of Christ. And, uh, and so it should come to no surprise uh, whenever we open up the Word of God and we, and we see truth Himself uh, on every single page. Uh, there, there is a doctrine I do want to uh, uh, pull out with, related, uh, that's, uh, with respect to uh, the authority of the Word, um, not only in its authoritativeness, but also it as a standard of truth. And uh, it, it's a Latin phrase, norma normans non normata. Oh, yeah. yeah, that one's good, right? That. Yeah, that one's fun. Uh, See, for our listeners, you didn't Norman. know. No, not, not Storm and Norman. For Storm and Norman, was, he was an awesome dude. <laughs> was, it's not our, that's not our history guy out. today. Our yeah. listeners did not you bet they were going to get some Latin. They didn't. But they didn't you're getting get Latin Come on, on this podcast. Yeah, man. You can't we're, get it on every podcast. We're going to bring it. Or the discussion of Storm and Norman. He was. Desert Storm, man, that cat, that was a bad cat right there. She's still living. I think Storm and Norman's. I think he passed away. Did he? Yeah, yeah he I don't. I don't away. know if he's still living. Yeah, yeah he no, was he awesome. passed away. Grant, we got a ruling on Storm and Norman. Seven or eight years ago. Seven or eight, eight years ago. According uh, to Grant, if he's still alive, I would have voted for him. We apologize, huh? I would have voted for him. Probably would have voted for Storm and Norman. <laughs> he's, he's got a backbone. Yeah. yeah I what about this Norman Norman? He guy. was actually running across the desert with a pistol. Who was I could see that. Who was Norman Norman? Norma, 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 Normans. Okay, go ahead. Non-normata, the norm that norms that cannot be normed. That's scripture. Some of that. So think about. Say that one more time. Go. Okay. Norma, Normans, non-normata. It's the norm that norms that cannot be normed. So check this out. Scripture is the standard that standardizes everything else, Mm. and it itself cannot be standardized by anything else. That'll preach, actually. It will preach. (laughs) It did preach when I opened up this text. (laughs) And and so you think about it. It's God who created everything. You you got it, man. You got past it. It is God who spoke everything into existence by His powerful word. And everything depends not only on its truthful, but its, it's very existence and essence right. from God yeah. by His powerful Word speaking it into an existence. Why would we ever think that anything yeah. could hold God to a standard? Mm. Absolutely. Nothing stands above God. That's good. Think man. about apologetics. Yeah. Uh, you alluded to a pastor who said that the problem with the church today in our apologetics is that we say, well, 
we got this from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We got this Jesus thing from the Bible. That's so right. that's that's the reason why people don't want to come to Christianity. The Bible's getting in the way. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible's getting in the way. Think about how absurd that is. And how arrogant that is. <laughs> that is to stand as an authority above right. the Word of God mm-hmm. and judge the Word of God and say, you have no right. place here. You, I, I will speak for you. You can take a back seat. Man, we have no right. Sure. No right at all. And this is not coming stand, from, what standard this is not coming from outside the church. Ooh, no. This is coming from within the That's church. Right. That's uh, right. What, what's the battle in the New Testament? Unity um, and, and, and false teaching. Mm-hmm. And it is abundant yeah. today. And so we need to be on guard for that uh, for sure. So just thinking through just some of the practical implications of what we've talked about, uh, what would you... What are some of the practical implications you think of, Pastor Tony? Uh, personal implication for me that has been, I guess, uh, most joyful is that I don't have to constantly be evaluating the culture, uh, the context, uh, polls, opinions, uh, philosophy. I don't have to be looking at what's coming down the pike. God's word is eternal. It never changes. Amen. It'll be uh, it'll be truth when the world's on fire. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, um, not having to having an absolute foundation upon which to stand in my own personal life, mm-hmm. you know, there may be things that I, you know, if I'd been writing the Bible, I might have wrote them differently. Mm-hmm. But I, God wrote it. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's absolute. Uh, authority and it gives a mooring it gives a foundation uh and to me that's comforting Mm -hmm. in a world that's Mm ever-changing you know even in science if you went back and got my science book when i was in high school (laughs) everything in there probably has been corrected but you go we had science books yeah yeah they were sorry, chiseled sorry. out in stone <laughs> I got you. I was wondering yeah. but you, you know you guys dissect dinosaurs we did <laughs> that's why there's none left but uh, you know everything in that book has been altered changed or corrected sure god's word is Amen. eternally true yeah, right? it never needs to be updated or that's edited right. or corrected or changed yeah. It's not a history book, but when it speaks of matters of history, it's a, it's absolutely correct. Yeah. It's not a scientific book, right. but when it speaks of matters of science, you know, uh, Job said he's, that the, uh, God sets upon the circle of the earth mm-hmm. in a day when all science said the earth was flat. <laughs> well, know. people, to that is... One of those conspiracy theories today. There, that's going around like NBA players. Yep. There's a ton of athletes <laughs> going. It's flat. I'm flat earthers. earthers yeah. I'm thinking these guys fly in an airplane. Like just look out the window. I mean, you can you see, see when you curve, get, man. You can see a curve. It's yeah. unbelievable. That's crazy, stupid as wow. well. So, what would you say, Pastor TJ? Well, what I was getting at too with apologetics. When you're sharing your faith. Do not be ashamed of the Bible. Absolutely. The reason why people blush when they bring that out is because they know where the non-believer is coming from. They're opposed to the truth. Right. That's exactly what Paul says, that, that we are born suppressing the truth. Right. Well, know that. But know that the truth is their only hope. Truth will set you free. It'll right. set them free. Absolutely. And so if you're anticipating a negative response, and so you hold they back. They are not nearly as sure of themselves as they, 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 are as not. they communicate. They are not. Mm-hmm. And if you anticipate that and, and you let that psych you out, and so you hold back, 
from saying this is this is what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. And well, you believe that thing? Well, yeah, I do because I believe God. Yeah. Right. God is the Creator. He has given us His word, and right. He's ensured that it is it is protected. It is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you get into has the scriptures been preserved? Yes. And you don't have to get into all of that. Just share the truth with them and let God do the work. Right. His spirit will take over, take that truth, and plant it deep in that callous heart that you thought would never come to faith. Yeah. What God is able to do with his word is so much beyond what you can do. You know, do. I had an opportunity a couple of months ago to sit down with a gentleman that had been visiting and hear his story. And basically, he found his grandfather's Bible... He's an unbeliever, has no interest in Christianity, um, finds his grandfather's Bible, begins to just read through the Bible. And in my conversation with him, I believe he had a conversion experience. Yeah. Nothing but the Bible. Amen. Just the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. I, I was thinking about God. You know, Christ being the sinner. Uh, it, it changes the way we read the Bible. The Bible is not about primarily about us. Amen. So it changes the Amen. way we read the Bible. And I, I you got mean it's not quote. seven ways to find no, success? No, or? no, no, it's not. Have your best uh, life now? Not now, not, not now. now. It is coming, and it's okay. out of this world. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Benefits are... I don't want to wait. Um, but I got this quote from, from Tim Keller, and it is just dead on. He says, there's two ways to read the Bible. The one way to read the Bible is that it's basically about you. What you have to do in order to be right with God. In which case, you'll never have a sure and certain hope because you'll always know you're not quite living up because you're not, right? You'll never be sure about that future. Or you can read it as all about Jesus. Every single thing is not about what you must do in order to make yourself right with God, but what he has done to make you absolutely right with God. And Jesus Christ is saying, unless you can read the Bible right... uh, Right, unless you can understand salvation by grace, you'll never have a sure and certain hope. But once you understand it's all about me, Jesus Christ, then you can know that you have peace. You can know that you have this future guaranteed, and you can face anything. Reading the Bible through the lens that it's all about me will not lead to that. It'll lead to, it'll lead to death. Um, but reading it through the lens of, of Christ well, changes... A lot of people, rather than being Christocentric... They are man-centered. Absolutely, it's all about them, and you mm-hmm. know they think the whole uh, universe revolves around them. That's our Americanized mm-hmm. version of everything. Sure, we got such a bubble view. Absolutely. So, Pastor TJ, no podcast that Historical. we do give us a little be, Storm and Norman would be complete <laughs> without an example from church history. That's right. So, Storm and Norman uh, was in. You guys I don't know that it's going to be Storm and Norman. It's not. It's now, not. I'm not sure what kind of theologian he was. He was a good military man, and uh, we're I thankful have, for him. I know him. next to nothing about Storm and Norman. Okay. Yeah. Well, you guys are going to like this brother. Okay. You already do. Uh, John Huss. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hussey, uh, when I, that was the first Hussey. name that came to mind when I was thinking about Hussey. not just being Christocentric, but specifically uh, a man of the Bible. John Huss, he was uh, born a Czech. That's where his name uh, comes from, um, H-U-S-S. He, invited the, he invented the Czech mix. <laughs> Checkers. Che- Czechs mix. Czechs mix that no, you put no. in the oven. and That, that is not true. I like that. That's not true either. Neither <laughs> one of those things. We, we say a lot of lies on the podcast. <laughs> I, hopefully our <laughs> listeners know we are, uh, that we we're are, talking about hey, that. We're, we're on the light side. 
We're on the light side. Yeah, yes, yeah. we are. I'm not on the lighter side right now. Well, I could stand to right. do that. What's it called? But this that heavy theology, you got to have a little yeah, bit of the light do. side. I need to work in a salad. Yeah. I'll be better about that, but go ahead. Huss. John Huss. Check. He uh, he's born in uh, Hussinick. I can't get through his his even uh, his birth his background. Go ahead. He's born in Hussinick. Talk through him. Talk through. Last week I have a hard time. King of the Franks. It. He was yeah man. I gotta I gotta pick these guys better. You gotta think of the yeah. you gotta think of the the lead pastor over here. Yeah, I do. Who's yeah. gonna heckle you through the whole yeah. historical example? So. Well, his town Hussinick is Goose Town. <laughs> don't make it. I know, I know. Don't better. make. Stay here. Yeah. Stay better with me. Just yeah. talk to me. I'm just. Yeah, that's right. Talk to me. Uh, yeah, this is a conversation <laughs> between me and Pastor Zad. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no one else. Um, he shortened his name to Huss actually, um, from Hussinick, and which is Goose. And uh, th- this his brother goose was cooked. His too. goose got cooked. <laughs> yeah, Goosenick. He became a priest to escape poverty, and as a priest, you know you have. Uh, an expectation to uh, recite um, uh, liturgy. Uh, I, I think at this point, most priests uh, weren't even literate, couldn't even read the Bible. Uh, he was literate. He was able to read. He was reading the Bible, and God saved him. And God gave him a passion for the Scriptures. And so he, as he's reading the Bible, and then he's looking at uh, the practice of the Roman Catholic Church, he gets fired up, mm-hmm. and this is about a hundred years before the Reformation, and uh, he's he's one of the guys that we call uh, the forerunners. The morning star. Well, John Wycliffe is the morning, morning star, star but, he's right. one, yeah. but he gets hold of Wycliffe's teachings, mm-hmm. and uh, he shares those same ideas. And uh, because he's preaching uh, the Bible, that that in in the language of the people, you were only supposed to recite Mass in Latin, mm-hmm. and and so if you were not a Latin speaker which was most of Christendom, you couldn't even understand the liturgy uh, that, the peop- that the priests were reciting. And the priests couldn't even understand the Bible because they couldn't even read. Mm-hmm. The church was in need of reformation. Uh, and so uh, his teachings uh, were uh, heard by uh, the Pope. Uh, he got excommunicated. Uh, the Holy Roman Emperor Sigismund said, hey, come back. We have a, we have a council that wants to hear you, we promise you safe passage, safe conduct, and what do they? They don't even give him a hearing. Mm-hmm. They lock him in into a cell um, and uh, tell him to recant. If not, then uh, he's going to be burned at the stake. And shortly before his death, this is what he writes. He says, "Today you're burning a goose. Mm-hmm. However, a hundred years from now, you will be able to swan. hear a swan sing." You will not burn it. You will have to listen to him. <laughs> well, this was written in 1415. He died in 1415 when he was burned at the stake. His yeah. goose was cooked. Yeah. Who was a hundred years? A hundred years to the year after uh, Martin Luther comes to faith. Mm. And uh, so, sorry, he was uh, John Huss died in 1415. Martin Luther came to faith in 1515. Oh, yeah. Also, that same year, the the New Testament, Erasmus published a new version of the Greek New Testament, so people were reading from the original language again, and uh, that's what influenced Luther. Um, and besides Almost that... Like God is working through his man, people. Man, he is. He is. <laughs> besides that, coffee comes to the Western world. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Is there a coincidence in that? I think not. Coffee and the Word? I think not. I think it's very appropriate that very today biblical as well. Bible studies, yeah. pastors had, are happening <laughs> in coffee shops. Yeah. But Martin Luther knew what John Huss had said, and, uh, and he, he's, he referenced mm. what he uh, wrote. And in yeah. fact, Lutheran churches, they have swans, swans. on them. Uh, because Luther is the swan yes, that came a hundred years yeah. after Huss, just as he had predicted. Yeah, yeah. But all came about because of a rediscovery of the, of the, the word. word of God. That's and you think about it, in the Old Testament, yeah. Josiah, same yeah. thing. Same thing. Revival. Revival yeah. comes from yeah. the word. Yeah. Amen. I know how we need it. That's Amen. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, man, that is. Uh, I've enjoyed our time together uh, for this podcast, and hope you have too. Hopefully, it's been an encouragement to you. Our desire is that you would. Uh, just be uh, encouraged and better uh, equipped to understand what you believe about the church and and uh, theology as we move on in this podcast. So uh, next week, uh, episode six, uh, we're going to jump into uh, the characteristic of the we church. Skip five. And, uh, next week is five. I'm sorry. I started to say, what happened? Yeah, this five? is four. Yeah. Uh, next week is we jump in the ordinances. Yeah, ordinance of baptism. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my word of mercy, man. Sorry, my notes, I, I jumped ahead that on Geechee us. Geechee County? That Geechee County. Your notes I, will get you. I'm not good at math either, but five <laughs> comes after four. Yeah, before so, six. Yeah, before six. We're going to talk about baptism. Amen. It's going to be good. We so. a dunker? Whoa, man. We're, we're a dunker. We're a dunker. We're All dunker. the way under. All Maybe we, yeah, never mind. That we could bring we donuts. Have, we could dip Illustrate. it into our. We could do illustrations. You know, submerse it into a coffee or or uh, Oreo cookies and milk. You could do that. I like you going. Either way. I like where you're going with Oreos. God bless. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.